Welcome to Living Life in Awe. I'm Jerry Bose. Today I have such a wonderful conversation with my friend Jerry Suster. Jerry has written an incredible book called Graceful Exits. And I read this book uh, several times and I loved it. And I think what I really liked about the book is that it's really about having courageous conversations with the people that matter in our life, whether it's with a romantic partner, our friends, our children. She talks about empty nesters. She talks about having difficult conversations in a professional setting. And the last chapter is on death. And she writes this end of life so, so beautifully. I guess what I really liked about the book also is that she's talking really about intentional living because exits are gonna happen no matter what. And frankly, we don't do exits well. We're not really taught to do exits well. And in this book, Jerry breaks down how to do an exit well. She talks about the fail, she talks about the better way, and she talks about prevention because maybe the exit doesn't have to happen after all. Such a great conversation. I'm looking forward to you listening to it. So let's get started. Where do you want to start from? Because there was so much in this book. I mean, it's called Graceful Exits, but frankly, it could be called like a graceful life. Right. Well, that's my website, right? Is gracefullife.com because yeah. so you nailed it because I thought I don't want to only talk about exits, right? So mm-hmm. I have a plan for my next book and I I want it to be a broader scope than just exits, but I think starting with exits because we're just generally so bad at them was was the place where the universe said I needed to start. So yeah, and it's kind of interesting, because as I was reading the book, one thing that kept coming up was the word courage. You know, Mm. we need to have the courage to have these conversations, we need Mm. to have the courage to do this. And I was like, Oh, my gosh, he is so right. (laughs) You know, because I mean, I know from my own personal experience in our house, we didn't have the courage to talk about the difficult stuff. And yeah, it really comes back to bite you. It really does. And, and we think that if we say the things that we need to say, it's going to be so much worse than living with the not saying them. And, and what I've learned through my experiences is that is not true. It's, no. it's, it's just a short term pain for a, a lifetime of of feeling free and we can do that. You know, yeah. I think we can do that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, how do you want to talk? Cause I know that the book starts with, well, it starts, I kind of like it. <clears throat> talk about parenting and <laughs> the nest and, and the romance on the exits of a professional uh, life. Yeah. And even there, I just saw so many things that I thought, oh gosh, I could, I could have used this advice. Right. (laughs) You know, because there was a part where you say, well, you know, you as the employee also need to discuss your needs and desires with your employer. And I was thinking, oh my gosh, that is so true. Yeah. 
Yeah. If nothing else, I hope we give people permission to do that. Right. Because we Mm -hmm. think a lot of times, especially people of our generation, especially women, we grew up being Mm -hmm. compliant and more submissive and, and we sort of need permission to have these conversations. And I think that advocating for ourselves in the workplace about our career path and that type of thing is, is really important and men do it all the time. Exactly. You know, so it's time for us to step into that, I think. Yeah, exactly. And uh, no, I totally agree with you because I, I'm seeing sort of this men doing this from another angle. And I was like, wow, they just ask. They're like, I want to be in this project. You know, they just go right out and, and say mm-hmm. money. I want more staff. I want oh. <laughs> I'm like, oh, my gosh. Right. Right. They're 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 inherently taught to be uh, bolder and fearless, I think, because of the nature, you know, of their role over Mm -hmm. thousands of years, I think. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. Also, um, they don't take it personally, right? We take we women take it so personally. Well, I wanted this project and I didn't get it. Oh, my God, my whole worthiness is questioned. Exactly, exactly. And that's, I think, a huge lesson for us. And that's a really valid point that um, I think is, is worth talking about too, is that nothing's personal, you know, and, and uh, we waste so much time getting stuck based on that. And uh, you've really done an amazing job with your emails. They've just gotten so good and rich and your podcast, like you're, you're being very brave and I'm very proud of that for you. I think that's amazing. Thank you. It took me a long time to show up, you know, yeah, it's very scary. And I just had a podcast interview with one of my friends that's going to be out today, later today, uh, Mary Manfish. And Mary is very much an advocate for women. And she really is out there seeing how she can help women and um, so she's like, we have to show up. She's like, Jerry, yeah. we have to show up. And I think, you know, it took me a long time to show up. And the only reason I started my newsletter was because I kept hearing so many of my friends saying that they're having trouble with their kids or their marriage or what, something, you know. And right. I was thinking, wait a second. I'm not the only one that went through a difficult period. So many people are going through a difficult period. You know, and I need to, yeah. to, to tell them like what I learned during these challenging years. And that's really the reason I started. And I'm surprised I'm able to to do this podcast. Well, thanks to Kathy Heller, I guess, because I'm doing it messy. Like she said. It, yes, it, I love that. And it's inspiring because I got to get mine going. So thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, it's just great. And then how do you want to talk about your book, Graceful Exits? Because it's so, it's just, I know I, I kind of went already to the end because I just thought the death paragraph was so, so powerful for me. But I also liked the empty nester. Yeah. Think, you know, that one was so, so nice because what I loved is when you said we should look at each child like they came from a magic land. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, that's Oh, the words. <laughs> it's hard to do, but yeah. that should be the goal anyway, you know, is to just let them be 
who they are. But I, I think when we first met, when we had our conversation before, we were saying, okay, we not only have the same name, right. but we have so many things in common. We both were in the corporate world for a super long time. We both have yeah. children with similar issues. And, and yeah. you're a writer. And someday I you're, hope- you are a writer. Oh, you write okay. every day. So don't, don't say that you're not. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> I, I am a writer and hopefully mm-hmm. someday I will have a published book. But it's, uh, yes, we have so many things in common. So that chapter was, I mean, it, yeah, I mean, it sounded very similar, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I think I mean- it's cool for parents to know, you know, you're not alone and all of that. And, um, and it's really, really hard, but there's light at the end of the tunnel kind of thing. But yeah, well, somebody had told us that, well, you know, this is not, it's, it's temporary. It's, yeah, it doesn't last forever. And when you're in the middle of it, you are like, okay, but how right. long does it last, you know? Right. So, how do I get to the other side? Yeah. So- oh my gosh. I, sorry. Every time I think about it, <laughs> every time I think of a chapter, I think about something that you said that really resonated with me. And we're just, you know what? We're just going to keep it messy like this, the conversation, yes. because there's so okay. many things that uh, I just looked at the, the friends chapter and in there, because I'm having uh, trouble with, with, with friends at the, uh, currently, it's because it's the growth issue. And I love what mm. you say in there. You're like, if I had kept my friends up to date on yep. my growth, then I wouldn't be having this problem. And maybe you want to expand on that because I thought that was really powerful. Yay. I would love to. And that's amazing. <laughs> Do you want friends thing? Uh, this is all through struggling with my own inadequacy or my own failing, um, which is funny because I like that I each section I talk about the fail and a lot mm-hmm. of those stories are my stories mm-hmm. because I'm not trying to say you know I've I've had this figured out from day one this book is a result of years of of failing and finding a better way you know I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a build a better mousetrap kind of person so when it comes yeah. to this friendship that I was failing at it just really took me uh, time to figure out why is this, why am I not able to have this conversation with this friend who's been in my life since high school, right? (laughs) And it really was that we had spent years apart, we came back together. And I think this is very common, especially social media, connecting us with people, only to find out that we were in very different places. And I was on this you know, dig out my closet of baggage and, Mm -hmm. and analyze it and figure it out and try to improve process. She wasn't totally Mm -hmm. fine. Mm -hmm. And, but what I found was the way that she was parenting triggered me because of how I was raised. Right. Mm -hmm. And so she was, she was doing things similar to what my mom did with me And I'd had enough therapy at that point to realize that that had an impact on me. And so to see someone I loved doing something similar with her own family, I just found it so stressful to be around, but I'm right in the middle of it. And so I didn't know until I did the work and I figured it out and then I had to catch her up when we met for coffee so I could apologize Mm -hmm. for ghosting her. I had to catch her up on the work that I had been doing. And so when I was trying to figure out, well, 
what would have been better? Well, it would have been better to have kept her in the loop the whole time. Right. And so she could see that, okay, I'm realizing that this parenting that I had from my mom was um, not ideal. And she could see that, well, that's how I parent, you know? And so uh, maybe that is, so we could have discussions. And um, I think when we uh, are less authentic in our friendships about the things we're struggling with, we create these, these gaps and disconnects that can actually put the relationship at risk unknowingly. So I think it's just part of, you know, tending your friendships, like you would your garden, you have to, you have to pull the weeds, you have to, you have to bring them into the ugly parts of what you're dealing with, so that you're in sync, or if you start to grow in different directions, it will be uh, more apparent and less, you know, mysterious and sudden, like when I was ghosting my friend. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're absolutely correct. And you mentioned that exactly that, those words in the book, which was very nice, um, the garden metaphor. <laughs> but it's kind of interesting as you're as you're talking, it just also reminded me that you are also, those are also the same for the, rom- the romantic relationships. You yeah. know, you're saying we need to keep it up to date, you know, and the person, you know, is not going to go so far as to like betray you if you had always kept like the conversation going. And, yeah. and I think in both of these uh, cases, it's these courageous conversations that we don't want to have, you know? Yeah. It's so we, much easier to like not have a courageous conversation. It is. And so, and, and this, what I love about looking at exits this way is that it doesn't matter what relationship you're in and, and it can be personal, it can be professional, but once we get into a relationship, a friendship, a romantic relationship, an employer employee relationship, we think we're good, right? We yeah, think, yeah. we think we're in and we become complacent about tending our garden. And I think that is the opportunity that lies at our feet in terms of just enhancing our lives overall, but these relationships in, in particular, because we are always growing or not, you know, like so in a, in a relationship, there can be things that are happening and to one partner and not the other partner. Mm -hmm. And we come into it with assumptions about this is how it's going to be. This is who you are. This is who I am. We're compatible. We're good to go. But what is true is life throws a lot of stuff at us. Contrast, as our our friend Kathy Heller would say, Uh and we grow. That's the whole point. So to assume that that's not going to happen and we're just going to be the way we are and happily ever after, yada, yada, that's nonsense. Yeah. So, yeah, having this idea that, okay, in order to keep us on the same path, we have to do this work this maintenance work. And I think setting that up from the beginning is a really important part of maintaining this relationship because, so this book, it's for, you know, people that are considering an exit or an exit is coming at them like an empty nest, for example, Mm -hmm. but it's also for people that don't want an exit because in every story I try to highlight how to prevent 
an exit. So there's the fail story, Mm -hmm. there's a better way story, and then there's prevention because there are things we can be doing today in the relationships we care about Mm -hmm. to help prevent an exit or at least prevent a bad exit. And who doesn't want to do that? Yeah, no, it's true. Who doesn't want to do that? But it's kind of interesting because I guess the thread here in all different chapters is authenticity It's courage, it's self-awareness, and it's vulnerability. And I think these four things are things that we need to work on, like, almost every single day. You know, like, (laughs) I keep hearing Mel Robbins say, why don't we have, a? you know, why is it so difficult to have friendships when we're adults? And I'm thinking, yeah, the reason it's difficult is because as we get older, we are less authentic and less vulnerable, you know? Like, when we're six years old, we know nothing but authenticity and vulnerability. But we lose that as we get older. And I think that's why it's so hard to make friends and keep friends or even romantic relationships or even relationships with our kids. I think that's such a great observation. You're right. As children, we just ooze. We are who we are. And then there's some sort of conforming phase. I think it starts in middle school, especially Mm -hmm. where we, and it's, and it's a, it's an evolutionary thing. We conform to survive kind of thing. But at some point, you know, well, one parenting, we should embrace the authenticity of every individual. Like we were talking about, you know, this is a magic creature. Who is it? Who are they? Who are they going to be in the world rather than, um, as a parent, I remember at one point feeling like for my children to be safe in my head was they need to be like everybody else, you know, Mm -hmm. like they need to follow the same path. They need to, you know, go to university. They need to, and, and that feels safe because that's what, I don't know, society tells us that they need to be. But what I have learned since then in kind of changing my life completely is that safety comes from finding your gift and following your gift your heart's desire type of thing and the rest will work itself out yeah. right yeah. so it's just uh it's and and in doing that in taking that having the courage to take that sort of alternate less traveled path we build courage right we build yeah. authenticity mm-hmm. and so this doing what everybody else does does not encourage those skills that you talked about you mm-hmm. know that i try to try to encourage in the book Mm. and and you know like they say courage doesn't come from anything but being scared and doing it anyway so there's no way to stop being scared the first time you have to do an exit but there are such rewards if you do and that is what I'm trying to show people is that the price we pay for exiting badly is much bigger than the price of a few moments or days or weeks, if we must, of courage to exit gracefully. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's really about how to, it's also about how to live every single day. You know, Mm -hmm. you're talking about exits and you have, yeah, your preventions, the fail and how to do it better, but in the prevention and how to do it better, people can see how to live, you know, how to like live every single day. And I liked in the romance one where you really talked about self-awareness. And I think if 
that's like that's like you really should be if you're self-aware that it's already 50 percent of the relationship can be taken care of by just being self-aware 100 percent, and I, I like that you highlighted that because it's easy when a relationship ended the way my marriage ended to blame the obvious villain in the story, right? It's Mm -hmm. just very surface level. Mm -hmm. But what is true is that I contributed as much to the end of that relationship as my partner did. Mm -hmm. And it's very important. So if you're the person initiating the exit, do it being self-aware and understanding why you have this need is step one, because if the problem is you, your childhood, your baggage, whatever, mm-hmm. you're going to just take that into your next relationship. And so swapping partners isn't going to really solve anything. And we see this repeated in, in life all the time, right? Yeah. So, but the person that is on the receiving end of the exit has to do as much self-analysis and awareness as anyone because one, what have you been doing to contribute to the demise of the relationship? Why did you pick this partner? Was it a place from a place of dysfunction? Mm-hmm. For example, based on your parenting or childhood patterns. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and until you fix that, you will repeat your pattern too. Your next partner will be very similar to your first partner. And, exactly. and similarly. So I think we have to like realize that we are co-creating these relationships, yes. you know, I mean, for in your case, it would have been so easy for you to play the victim, blame everything on him. And, <laughs> you know, I was so busy taking care of my mom. I was so busy with, with my boys and working, you know, I didn't have time to also work on my marriage but you you didn't say that and you and it's so interesting because you're giving yourself a lot more power by not saying that by saying you know like what was my my part in the relationship why did it not work out what was my part in it well thank you for acknowledging that it was and let's let's be honest and let's be very real here for the first month I was not in that place or two months or whatever. It took right. me a minute. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I was just literally in shock. You're, and, you're human. <laughs> yeah, you're human. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but then thank goodness. Cause really the first thing I did after, you know, my mom died on a Friday and I found out my partner was cheating the following Monday. So in a weekend I lost my two most important people in my life, except for my sons. Mm-hmm. So it was a, just a, a big universe saying hello you need to be in a different place like you're not listening which was good but so I went immediately into therapy which I had never done before but I knew this was too much for me to handle on my own and I had children to to consider and how was I going to help them through this and it was really like I'm going to do this for my kids and then Mm -hmm. I ended up spending years with this amazing woman who really helped me unpack everything and understand how I contributed to that. And that's not easy, but it's like you said, it was fully empowering to say, you know, I chose this person Mm -hmm. and I came from a place of my own dysfunction, trying to, you know, heal family patterns and all that stuff like we Mm -hmm. do. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it was, it was empowering to say, I am, I am not a victim here. I am a co-creator, which I love. Um, that phrase as mm-hmm. it relates to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think all our relationships, even because I see sometimes parents are 
kind of um, doing an us versus them kind of a mentality with their children. And it's like, whoa, your children are a co-creation of you. You can't just say, oh, my God, my child is doing this. And doing... It's like, but why, you know? Yeah, beautiful. That's a beautiful analogy and sort of a nuance that uh, I, I don't think is discussed enough in terms no. of, you know, yeah. Where did they learn all this? Well, hello. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Well, I think I got it. Also, I uh, I also went to to therapy for many years and I learned so much about myself in therapy and I think my my self-awareness uh, really came out of therapy and it was really incredible because I remember going to her and she wanted to talk about my childhood and I'm like are you crazy? I don't want to talk about my childhood. I don't need to talk about my childhood. <laughs> it's over. It's gone. It's decades ago, you know, but, <laughs> but really we are operating from that place of our, of our childhood wounds. It's amazing. Yeah. Once I got on the healing path, I'm like, mm, there was, there was more forgiveness. There was more compassion. There was self-love. And I was just having a conversation with some, with someone from AEA. And I was telling her, I said, the ultimate self-love, self-care is healing our childhood wounds. That's 100. The- yep. Yep. It's massive. The, um, there was a moment when I was, I was in therapy, I went into group therapy. So every Wednesday night I would leave my kids with a sitter um, and go to group therapy. And my, my youngest son, Jake was, I don't know, nine at the time we were driving somewhere and he was asking me, mom, why do you have to go to group? Can't you stay home with us tonight? You know? And like, he just didn't want me to go that night. And he didn't understand why I was leaving every Wednesday night. And, um, I tried to explain this to him, you know, about breaking, the curse of generational trauma. And, and my intention was to not pass the things that I had learned from my parents on to them. So I could show up as a healed parent and not a dysfunctional parent mm-hmm. and a, in nine-year-old language or whatever. And yeah. this kid just looked me dead in the eyes and just softly said, thank you. No. Yes. Wow melted my heart and he never asked me not to go to group again like it was just but he got it and he which as much as he could but he's always been a wise kid and uh and I was just like yeah okay that's right this is my purpose this is why I'm here well it's also the feeling he could feel your feeling Mm. he knew that my mother is doing whatever she's doing it's because she loves me and that yeah you know the they can really feel our feelings. <laughs> That's one thing I learned with my daughter. They, no matter what you say, they can feel your feelings. Oh, thank goodness. Cause yeah. that's a, that's a better signal sometimes than my words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I love the, um, I love the, the metaphor of the blueberries. There must be a, a blueberry in there somewhere. <laughs> and, and I like how you, you start with that. And then you also end with that. So it's kind of nice with the blueberries. And then you're like, if you didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was funny because every time I came to the end of the section and the blueberries are sort of a, the summary, but it's a, it's a beautiful story about a, a guy that I knew that used to have that saying, there's a blueberry in this muffin somewhere. And um, I was sort of like, I'm, I'm in the reader's shoes and I was, this book can be, doesn't have to be read front to back it can be you can go to the section mm-hmm. because yeah. it's you know like I need a, I need a professional um 
exit advice kind of thing. So I'm going to go to that section first, or I'm dealing with a, a dying loved one. So I'm going to go to that section first. But then I'm thinking, if this person doesn't know what I'm talking about, why am I talking about blueberries at the end of this section? I had to find a way to try to, you know, reference them back without repeating the story every time in every section. So it was uh -huh. kind of a fun thing to write, you know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it was. It, it really was. It was great. Well, I, I have like underlined it and oh. started. And <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is, this is not a book that you just read once and put it away. It's really something that it, it's, it's like going to be like a reference book, you know, like I usually, I, I saw you um, quoted Deepak Chopra here and I was like, oh my God, mm. I've read so many of his books. And it's kind of like one of those books that you're just going to pull out of your bookshelf whenever you're like, oh, what did Jerry say about this part? You know? <laughs> <laughs> you're so kind. And it was funny because, you know, when you write a book and like your first book and you get even a whiff of a publisher interest, like that's super overwhelming because I didn't expect it, you know? And, yeah. and so of course, then you start to go, well, wouldn't it be cool if this was a bestseller and da da da. And um, which what I really hope for this book is that it is what you just said, that it becomes a reference because there's really not anything else out there that I found no, that, that looks at exits um, across your whole life mm -hmm. and, and looks at it like a life skill because it 100% is. And so I hope it becomes a reference for people for years, right? It doesn't yeah. need to, yeah. you know, be, be the bestseller in a single week or whatever. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I mean, we're not going to put, we're not going to say no to the universe if that's the plan, right. but, <laughs> but I, what I want is for it to be something that um, I just really want to change how we look at this part of life. And I want us to do better because I don't want us to live a diminished life because yeah. we didn't know how to do this one hard thing. Oh, yes. I mean, I, yes. I mean, you know, you can give this book to someone in their 20s that are just starting out in their work life. You can give this to somebody who isn't getting, is going to be an empty nester soon. I yeah. mean, there's so many people that I can think of that you just give this book to because you, really cover like everything in here like I said it's it's more a book on life than just <laughs> and and it's really wonderful and you write really well and I'm so glad that we met I'm sh I'm so glad the universe like you know connected us yeah the two Jerry's had to meet you <laughs> yeah, know exactly. no, I'm, I'm super super happy and I'm looking forward to your book and your podcast your next yep. book yep and, and in your podcast. So, I mean, I think it's going to be great. I know you had put it on Instagram, what the name of your podcast was going to be, but I forget now. Yeah. So the first, um, the first podcast, cause I have two, mm -hmm. um, that I'm planning, but the first podcast will be graceful exits. And what I want to do is talk about, there are so many different exits. Like I have a friend of mine that wants to come on and talk about how to break up with your doctor because Ooh. which like wow of course or or how to go from a non-sober lifestyle to a sober lifestyle that's a huge life change so there's just yeah. so many exits that I didn't cover in the book that I would love to talk about and then possibly add an element where I 
help people, like people can write in and go, I don't know how to do this. Here's my situation. And then I can give them advice on how I think they should move forward or have live people on if they're willing to be so brave to talk about how do I, how do I get through this? And um, I think those sort of real life examples in a variety of situations, I hope to weave this awareness of this skill set through a multitude of of uh, scenarios so yeah. it just becomes part of our language yeah yeah sounds great sounds really <laughs> good. I'm just gonna ask one last last question because I, I try to keep my podcast kind of like around less than 30 minutes but we're having such a great conversation <laughs> like, well, over but when it, throughout the book there's one thing for sure is that you are very self-aware and when did this self-awareness happen for you? Do you think it happened like slowly or was it from a situation where you said, this is it, I'm not living like this anymore? Well, I, I'm a stubborn person sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that when I was still in my marriage, I was getting a lot of what I call whispers from the universe that, you know, this is something's not right. Mm -hmm. And then and then you get a little tap on the shoulder. Then you get a little shove. But I still wasn't listening. I was very like, I don't care. This is my family. I'm not, you know. And then I got what I call the cosmic two by four, which was I'm going to blow your whole life up because you are on the wrong path. Mm -hmm. And so that was definitely, that was 2004. And that was definitely um, a big wake up call. And then since then, I've just tried to consistently stay on what I call the path, which is self-awareness, self-improvement, you know, looking within rather than outward. So, yeah, it was a it was a moment for me yeah. that really got me off one track and on the other. And um, all I can say about that is try to listen to the whispers <laughs> And make it easier on yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's so interesting because I think I can say the same thing for myself. Except my daughter, my situation was my daughter got really, really sick. And that's when it was, the universe was like, that's it. Yes. I tried to tell you gently, but you're not listening. <laughs> it's a gift, really. But yes, um, I, yes. I, I think we don't have to always learn it to that extreme if we start paying attention younger, which I hope for everyone. Yeah, no, I, I really hope that people don't have to suffer so much in <laughs> order to become self-aware. There's got to be a better way than, than to do this, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you coming on. This is very, very generous of you. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you so thank much. You. And thank you. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate a positive review and a positive rating. Plus, if you could share it with your friends and family, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you so much. See you next time.